I greet you all in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For those of you that do not know me, as Maruja said, my name is Kano, Kanombuya in full. Grace is my other name in English. So. Let me take this opportunity to thank you once again for giving me this chance to stand in front of the church to share a word with you. I feel like it's a big responsibility, but thank you for trusting it with me, and I trust God as well. So I decided to title the message of today, The God I Am. So today we are going to be talking about the God I Am. I am not a preacher, I just like to teach, so do bear with me as we go. We are going to get our first verse from the book of Exodus chapter 3, from verse 1 to 15. It reads from the New King James Version. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who were in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites, and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hevites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. When Moses, I mean, then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Amen. Like I said, I... 
stick more on the teaching side. So I really need your full attention as we break this teaching down. The main verse of this um, script that I read is verse 14, where God said to Moses, the God, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, I am who I am, right? So we're going to talk about this God. Who exactly is God? What do we mean when we say, I am praying to God, or I want to talk to God, or I want to hear from God? Who are we talking about, right? God is the God of our fathers by faith. That is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We know that this Christian belief we as Africans was not necessarily what we knew, right? God is the God of the Israelites. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, like we said, right? And through faith, when we believe, we are adopted after being saved into this good family of God, right? So he is the God of our fathers, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There is no way we can stand as Christians and not identify ourselves with the Israelites because that is their God. He is our God by faith, right? So who is there? Who then is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's God, as we're saying exactly? We are going to talk about a very interesting topic in theology, the trinity of heaven or the trinity God in three, right? So some people, unfortunately, they don't really understand the trinity of heaven, but I believe as our Logos Logan says, this is the pillar and foundation of the truth. So I am here to stand with that truth and reveal it to you as it has been taught to me. According to the dictionary, you can define God as, you know, when it comes to our faith, the creator and ruler of the universe. He is that great being who rules everything, who created everything. According to Genesis chapter 1, we know this, right? And they do have another God with a small letter. I like to emphasize this to a lot of people I talk to. When you talk about my God, when you talk about this God, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob always use a capital letter. Why? Because there are gods that are made by men, and those are idols, right? So you can also find this dictionary in the, I mean, this definition in the dictionary already. A God can refer to an idol. But I'm not here to stand in front of you to talk about an idol. I am here to talk about the God I am. Let us go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It's a verse that we are all familiar with, I believe. But I like to tell people as well, Uri, don't get familiar with God. You know, you might understand what I'm going to talk to you about today, but please don't get too familiar with God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make men in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So, what does this verse tell us? God said, let us. If you check from Genesis chapter 1, from verse 1 up until this point, we were hearing God made, God said, God did this, God did that. Until verse 26, where God says, let us make men according to our image, right? So who, who is this God and who was he talking to? 
This is the Father talking to God the Son and God the Spirit. And that is the Holy Spirit, right? So, let us then break it down. We are saying that God is one. We have one God who manifests himself in three different persons. And I say persons because they are persons. When we talk about persons, we are not literally talking about a human being per se. When we talk about a person, we are talking about a being that has feelings, emotions, will. God is a person. He manifests himself in three persons. Did we all get that? Mm -hmm. So we are going to read from... <laughs> we are going to read from Deuteronomy chapter 6. From verse 4 to 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. The Lord our God is one. The Lord is one. Let us also turn to Malachi. Today we're going to read quite a few scriptures, by the way. Malachi chapter 2, verse 10. Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously with one another by profaning the covenant of the fathers? I am reading these verses to bring proof to you. When I say God is one, you have a biblical reference to refer to. God is one. I said he manifests himself in three different persons. Let's talk about the first one. God the Father. He is Jehovah. Yahweh. I am. That is God. So, who is this Father? We always hear Father. I thank you. Jesus Christ, when he was here, he always referred to my Father, who is our Father, by the way, as well. Right? This one is the head of the Trinity. He is the most high. He is, remember when Jesus Christ came, and also think of the fact, Yuri, when Jesus came here, it's not that he became or he came to existence only in the New Testament. The book of John chapter 1 verse 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God, right? So he has always been there. But then he came here and we hear a different name for the first time in the Bible here in the New Testament, Jesus, right? That is a name like me. I am Grace. You identify me as Khan, as Grace. That's my name, right? Jesus Christ is the name that was given to us for him to, for us to know Jesus, right? But then I want you to follow me very carefully. Just stay with me here. So we are talking about God the Father who in the book of Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 is talking to the others who let us make men according to our image, right? So that is God the Father. He is the Father of Jesus Christ. As we know it, Jesus Christ came through um, the Holy Spirit and was born by Mary, right? He did not come out of the seed of a man. So this Father that we are talking about is that Father of Jesus. Father, the Father, God the Father is one with the Son and the Holy Spirit. There is no way in this world where you can separate these three because they are one. So when we say God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we are not referring to three different gods. We are referring to one God in three different persons. Right. Let us then move to the Son. 
God the Son. Jesus Christ, this is Jesus. The word, as John chapter 1 verse 1 says, right? He was with God before the foundations of the earth. You need to know that he did not come to existence in the New Testament only. He was with God through the foundations of the earth. And the father loved him and he also loved his father. Right? So when he came to, to us as a man, like I've already said, he came through the working of the Holy Spirit, not of the seed of man. That is why we call him God. So, what I love about Jesus Christ is, as he lived as a human being, he lived like a human being like me and you, right? But because he's God and he's one with God, he still knows what pleases God. And therefore, he laid for us a foundation. He lived in a way that allowed us to see, okay, this is what is expected of a child of God, this father that we call father all the time. He knows what pleases God. So therefore, he lived, he lived an example, I mean an exemplary life in English. But uh, he lived an exemplary life, right? He set an example. I saw this quote somewhere, Barry. A good leader doesn't just tell people to do something. He lives what he wants his people to follow. Jesus Christ did that for us. If you are going to be a Christian who believes in God, who calls the Father his Father, you need to live the way Jesus Christ did. So right now as we speak, we know that he has ascended unto heaven, right? He's at the right hand of the Father. That is Jesus Christ. He died for our sins so that we may be reconciled with God. In the words of Murat, I love when one day when we were at the fellowship um, campus, the campus fellowship arena, I loved how he structured this sentence that I'm going to share with you. He said, I agree we sinned. We fell short of the glory of God, according to Genesis chapter 3 there. Mother God, wanting to reunite us back to him, he turned to the word, who is himself, by the way. He turned to the word and he's like, the word, I, I need you to go there. I need you to go die for these people's sins. And then that's when Jesus Christ came and died for our sins so that we may be reconciled with our father. What kind of a God is this? Is a loving God who gives us second chances. This is the God that we serve. The God I am. Let us then move to the Holy Spirit, who is the third person in the Trinity of heaven. This is the spirit of truth. Jesus Christ said when he was living with me, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. We have already had this. I, I will pray to the Father that he will send you another helper, that is the Holy Spirit, who will guide you in all truth, who will bring you to remembrance all the things that I've taught you. That is the Spirit of God. He comes from the Father. He emanates, I love this word, emanates from the Father. That is the Spirit of God, right? So it is through this Holy Spirit or by this Holy Spirit that we have been sealed for the day of redemption. There is no other seal but the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit, by the way, the reason why you will never hear of him in any other faith is the fact, Yuri, the world does not see him nor receive him. He is known by us who get the gift of salvation. He is known by us who receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So I love to say, Petty knows so much. I don't believe that all these religions of the world are praying to the same God that we are praying to. If you are there and you believe we are all praying to the same God, you are lying to yourself. The truth is, 
the God that we pray as Christians, this God that I'm talking about, the God I am, is not the God of Allah. He is the God I am. And he only works with the Son and the Holy Spirit. There is no way they are going to separate. So the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our comforter. He works in us on the amongst us. He searches our hearts. He intercedes for us. He rebukes. He convicts. When you do something and you feel that conviction, that is the Holy Spirit working. He speaks the truth. He guides us in all truth. He directs us into what pleases God because he knows. He knows what pleases God. So therefore, he guides us in our walk with God. Remember, the example has already been set by Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is here to walk the walk with us. So he directs us into service. He teaches us. He bears witness of God, the Father, and the Son. I love there is a scripture that says these three bear witnesses, the um, baptism, yena, water, the blood of Jesus. But then when it comes to the Trinity, there are three. The Holy Spirit bears witness of the Father and the Son and vice versa. So he also glorifies Christ and he regenerates our spirit. So that is the Holy Spirit that I'm talking about. The spirit of truth who emanates from the Father. So he is God and he's one with God the Father, like I've said, and God the Son. This is important. There is no way we can separate these three. They are not three gods. They are one God in three different persons. Let us read John 14. Verse 15 and 16. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. That is the Spirit of God that we are talking about here. So, this is God, right? I'm trying to paint the picture who God is. This is God. One God, remember. So, he is holy. He is righteous. He is just. He is good. According to Mark 10 verse 18, Jesus Christ was talking to someone, why do you call me good for? No one is good except one and that is God. God is good, right? There is never, never in your life be in a position, no matter where life poses you, never be in a position to say, ah God, you did me dirty. There is no way. God is good. I love that Terry um, quoted Jeremiah 29. God is good. And his thoughts for us and his plans for us are good. There is no way. If you say God is bad, you are speaking against his character. This is the character of God. God is true. He is the only one true God. And beside him, there is no other. Remember, it is one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes. So God is love. First John 4 verse 8 says, Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. He is love. He loves us. 
And he continues to love us even when we are the most disobedient of children. He is love, right? And God is not limited by space. You cannot contain God. You cannot contain God. This whole earth cannot contain God. Even like David said in the book of Psalms, heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. You cannot contain God. He is lim- he's not limited to anything. I cannot mold this paper and say this is God. You are not talking about my God. He is not limited by space. God is eternal. He existed before the beginning. He will exist after this world. He said heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will remain forever. He is God. The God I am. Let us read Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever, you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He is God. Amen. He is God. I love how the Bible says, before the mountains were brought forth, before God ever created anything, before he formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, from everlasting to everlasting, he is God. It is now. You are God. Before all these things were, you are God. That is the God I'm talking about, the God I am. No one created God, he created us. Psalm 100 says, we are his people, he's our God and we are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. No one can claim to say, I created God, because he is the only creator that exists, a self-existing God. How great is that God? Nobody has to go chop wood, finally do all the things that need to be done to put a mold of some sort and say, this is God. I am talking about the creator of that tree. No one created God. The book of Exodus 3 verse 14. He said, I am who I am. Go to my people when I'm Moses. Tell them that I am sent you. They will know. When you say the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they will know that you're talking about me. Didn't they know when he said that? They did. Because that is who God is. You need to know who God is before you can say, I want to worship you. You need to know who your God is before you can say, I'm going to church, I want to listen to his word. And I love him because people in the Old Testament were not as fortunate as we are. Right now, Jesus Christ revealed the mystery of heaven. We understand certain things that other people who lived in the Old Testament could not. He has given you an opportunity to know him. Please know your God. Know who your God is. The God I am. Let's break this I am. I keep saying I am, I am, I am. What does it mean? That means he who he was, he still is. He will forever be. He does not change. 
What he said yesterday stands today and tomorrow. That's why I quoted that verse theory. Heaven and death will pass away, but his words will never, never pass away because he does not change. Whatever he has promised, he will do it. That is the God we serve. He is who he is. When he says, I am love, you won't ever experience him tomorrow is hate because he is the God that he is. The God I am. Let us continue with the character of God. He is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. Like I said, you cannot contain God. Never. Let us go to the book of Acts chapter 7. Verse 48 to 50. However, the Most High does not dwell in, te in temples made with hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? God is omnipresent. He does not only exist here. When you go back home, he's there with you. When you go to America, he's there with you. When you go to Asia, he's there. When you come back to South Africa, he's still there. He is everywhere. He is omnipresent. That is the God that you serve. The God that is not limited by time and space. The God that is everywhere. Anywhere you could imagine. The furthest place you know, he is there. While he is here with you at the same time. He is omniscient and that means he knows all things. Everything that has been, that is, that will be. Other people might not understand it. How can God say, how, how does it even work to say someone is a prophet? To prophesy something that is in the future. How, does, how do you know? Because God knows. He knows what was. He knows what is. He knows what will be. When you read the book of Revelation, when you read what Daniel, what Jeremiah, when they were prophesying all these things that they were prophesying about, they were not just talking out of their own brain. They were being told by God what to say. He is the God that knows what will come. When he says, whatever is going to happen as Revelation reveals it because it's a lot, he means it and he knows. There's no way that you're going to say, ah, this is not true. What do, what do you mean God is going to come back? Yeah, they keep saying that Jesus Christ is coming back. Marai doesn't come back. What is wrong? God knows what he's talking about. He is the God that knows everything. He is the God that knows himself. We can know God, but we can never really know him, him, him. I mean him, him, him. But he himself knows himself. When he comes to you and says, my child, I am this. You believe that. You better believe that because this is God that is speaking who knows every single thing. When he says, Ash, I know that you have an exam. Mara, leave your books. Give me your 10 minutes. Study. I mean, read the word. Pray to me. He knows what he is saying. He knows. When he says, yes, you want to leave the room. Mara, come back. Pray first. He knows what you don't know. What if you're going to get out at the door and your roof falls on you? 
But that prayer that he's making you, I love Karabo, she said here in the morning, I had this saying, Uri, allow yourself to be led by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit leads you to a certain direction, do this, don't do this, allow to listen to that. Because he's the God that knows. His knowledge is not limited to anything. So trust and believe in God. Let him lead you, right? So his knowledge is not limited to anything and it is infinite. It continues and continues and continues. That is the God that we serve, the God that I am, who does not change. He sees everything. I love in the book of um, John, if I'm not mistaken, or Matthew, Jesus said, Uri, you know, God is a God of love. He makes his reign to fall on both the wicked and the good. You know, he does not discriminate. He's the God that sees everything. Whatever we do, he sees it. Even what we do in darkness where there is no light, he himself even says he will take it out and reveal it in the light. He sees every single thing. You might be going through a hard season in your life. They might be abusing you or whatever. You might be crying, God, don't you see what I'm going through? What do you say about me? I'm telling you, he knows and he sees everything. And he has not forgotten you. He knows everything. And he sees everything and every single person. So he knows. The father knows his son. The father knows his spirit. The son knows his father. The son knows his spirit. The spirit knows the father. The spirit knows the son. Jesus Christ said, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. That is God who knows himself. That is the God that we serve. The God I am. Yeah, he knows everything. <laughs> God is omnipotent. That means he is all-powerful. Somewhere in the book of Psalms, um, David said, Uri, these words were repeated to me. They kept coming. Power belongs to God. Power belongs to God. No one can, st I cannot stand here and say, hey, now I'm just intelligent. No, it is God who works in me. Every single thing that you believe you can do, it is not your own strength, but the power of God working in you. All power belongs to God. All power belongs to God. All power belongs to God. So this God that I am, that I've said, he does not change. Let us read Psalms. One, Psalm 133, I mean 33, chapter 33, verse 11. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Just sit there, try to think of how many generations have lived in this world. How many people have lived and passed on? I mean, we are also going to all pass on and there will be people who will be living. That's if he does not come back before then or, you know. How many generations have existed to this day? But the Bible says, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. 
If he has said, or I will save my people, that is what he's going to stick to, generation after generation. What he said here, it will never expire. What he has said here will never be out of date because his counsel stands forever. Through generation after generation after generation, his word remains. What he advises human beings remains. This is the God of our father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God I am. We are going somewhere. Just follow me. <laughs> Let us turn to John 8, verse 58. These are the words of Jesus talking to the Pharisees. They were telling him, ah, now we know Abraham. Mara, listen to what he said to them. Verse 58, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. That is Jesus. Before Abraham was, I am. These people thought, to, ah, we know we are the children of Abraham. We know Abraham. But are you telling them, before that Abraham existed, I am. He did not say I was. I am. That means he changeth not. If I say I am Kano, it means this is me. And you are not going to see another version of Kano anyway. This is the God that we serve. Who existed before anyone you can think of where they are the oldest. Before Nelson Mandela. Before anyone, guys, anyone you could think of. He is the God I am. Now you know who the, the God that you are serving, right? You know who he is. He's a very powerful God. The God who does not change, in whom, according to James 1, verse 17, in whom the Father, in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning, to whom all power belongs. The God of yesterday, the God of today, the God of tomorrow, the one who was, who is, who will be, whether we are in the valley or in the mountain, he's the same. There's this song, it's actually a hymn song, for the God on the mountain is still God in the valley. When things go wrong, he will make them right. That is the God that we serve. Whether it's raining, whether there is thunder, whether it's hot, he is still the same. Whether your life is smooth, whether it's painful, he is still the same. If he said he loves you, he loves you. No matter what you are going through. That is the God that we serve. He does not change. Right? Now, I'm going, go, go, I'm going to go back to that book that we read, Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm going somewhere. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. And now we're going to take it a little down, but yeah. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. There in the New Testament, Jesus Christ said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's if you love God. 
And these words which I command today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and shall be as frontlets between your eyes. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So shall it be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he sowed to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out of wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oath in his name. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are all around you. For the Lord your God is the jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. This is the God I am. A very jealous God. He does not want to see you bowing down to any other God. This is the God that I am. Right? What he hated then, he hates now. His standards never change because he's still the same God. We said his counsel stands from generation to generation. He is a very, very jealous God. And I want that to sink. A very, very jealous God. <laughs> Let us turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. from verse 18 to 24. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That an idol is anything, or what is offered to idols is anything? Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Apostle Paul was writing here to the church in Corinthuri. They should stay away from idolatry. And I've come to the realization that idolatry is not necessarily to say I'm bowing down to a certain idol or God. We have idolized so many things in our lives. So, so, so many things. Be it money, your friends, your husband, if you have a husband, your wife. I'm not going to talk about girlfriends. <laughs> Mara. We have so many things that we are tending or starting to idolize. God said, do not have any other God before you. He's a very jealous God. 
Let us continue with it. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. We are living in a country, you know, we have the Bill of Rights, we have so many laws and whatnot. But then I just want to say, although some things are lawful, not everything is helpful. Although some things are lawful in our country, not all things are defined. I'm just going to give one example that is, it has been sensitized by a lot of people. It's a very sensitive topic. But if we say our country, for example, has set a law, Yori, anyone who kills will be, you know, set free to walk around. As as Christians, when we know the law of God or what God says, you know, although we are living in a country with all these laws that we are talking about, it does not necessarily mean just because this law is established in my country, it's meant to build me up. We live now in the society that we are in today. Homosexuality is, there's nothing wrong with it according to, our, to the world. And our country is one of the countries that are really pushing um, this theme, you know. It's a country that has contained it in a way. Mara, just because it's lawful does not mean it edifies you. If God says this is wrong and your country says we can accept it, it does not mean that it will edify you or it is helpful to you. We serve a very jealous God. If anyone comes before you and sets a God in front of you, Ari, we are praying to this God. Think of Nebuchadnezzar. Think about that time. They set a God before everyone. They were saying, you have to bow down. It was a law. Mara, it needs someone who knows the God that I serve is a very jealous God. He does not share his praises with anyone. He does not share his worship with anyone. He does not share his glory with anyone. And if you are his child, you are going to respect him. Jesus Christ has already walked the walk for us. We have an example. You know what to do and what not to do. Not all things that are lawful are helpful. You need to understand what your God is saying to you. And you stick to that. Remember, he knows why he's saying all of these things. Right? So, let us stay away from idolatry. I just want to say, if you are there, and you know there is something that you prioritize before God, something that gets all your attention, hey, as, as the younger generation, this is a very dangerous thing. Social media, we scroll video, even myself. Video after another. What are we doing? Where is that time that we should spend with God? You spend five hours scrolling on, a, on your phone. You give God two minutes of your day. Isn't that idolatry? You have 50,000 rands in your bank account. You think of everything else that you need to do. God tells you, offer that 10,000 rands. Like, eh, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. I will give you 1,000 rands. Aren't you idolizing your money? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with setting goals for yourself and having ambitions. 
But sometimes what I've come to realize is most of us as young people, we dream of those big, big, big houses, those big, big cars. Do you ever dream of a closer relationship with God? Do you ever dream of, of, you know, doing the work of God, spreading the gospel as he has commanded us to do, going all out there, making people his disciples? Do you ever even think for a second, okay, what if I can share this verse with my friends? Aren't we idolizing something there? He says he's a very jealous God. That best friend of yours that you know, they've got your back. Even when you have stress, you go to them. You don't go to God. Who are they to you? This is the God that I am. A very jealous God. Why do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than him? If he decides that I want to finish you, would we be able to stop him? Let us flee from idolatry and know the God that we serve. Because he is Yahweh. And he has called you out of Egypt. Imagine what was happening in the land of Egypt. All the idolatry that was there, every single sin that was there, the oppression that was happening. He said, I am delivering you from Egypt, you Israelites. I'm putting you into a land and I'm going to give you a set of rules that you're going to follow. If you can check these laws, the laws are not only just limited to those Ten Commandments. If you can read these books of laws, you'll see there was a lot that God said to these people. Right? Do not do this. Do not do that. If this happens, do this. Don't do this. That was the way that God was trying to give his people. Okay, now you are out of the land of Egypt. You are out of that sinful land. You are here where I've brought you. And this is how you're going to live a life that glorifies me as your God. We said here, Uri, the Gentiles, Gentiles, we are referring to everyone who does not believe in Jesus here. Uri, when they sacrifice things, they're not sacrificing to God, but to demons. You shall not be a partaker of God's cup and the cup of demons. He said you cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot have two masters. It's impossible for someone to have two masters. He will love the other and hate the other. This is the God that we serve who changes not. This is the God I am. He has called you out of Egypt. Come out of Egypt. Come out of that sin. Come out of that wicked behavior that you've been doing. You know what you are doing. Hey, we know what we are doing. Mara, come out of it. He has already sent his son to come die for our sins. Why then should we still perish when we have the gift of salvation? Remember what Jesus said, Uri, on that day many will come to me, but Lord, Lord, hey, we did this and that in your name. And he shall say, I never knew you, depart from me. Hmm? The Pharisees thought they understood God. But he was like, no, you are not the children of my father. You have your own father and that is the devil who is the father of lies. You know how painful it will be to stand before God knowing that you had chance after chance to come out of Egypt but you chose not to. You chose to be comfortable in your seat doing what your country does that does not please God. Going against Israel, I mean. It will be so painful. 
to stand before God are a depart from me. I never knew you. Because we are refusing to do away with the world standards. Because we are refusing to stand before God and stand for the truth. Because we are allowing ourselves to bend and sacrifice and, you know, feed into that mold that the world has created just so we can be accepted by the world. Are you part of the world? You are not. Come out of Egypt. Come out of Egypt. This is the God that we serve, the God that I am. And he's calling out us, out, us out of Egypt. You know whatever sin you're struggling with, the Holy Spirit convicts you. I believe this with all confidence in me, that there is no way you can sin comfortably and God remains quiet in your life. Please return to God. God says, I require your hearts more than offerings here. Because you can do that out of pretense. Yes, we will see you coming to the altar giving your 50,000 rands or 1 million rands and we're like, hey, this one is a giver. Mara, God sees it, looks at your heart and is like, my child, why are you hardening your heart? Why are you making your heart to be hard as stone? The heart. He says our hearts are so far away from him. Our hearts are here. They are on our phones. They are on wanting to hear the latest gossip. Honestly speaking, think of it. Where is your heart? Is it to God? Is it next to God? Is it with God? Is it after God's heart? Come out of Egypt. The God I am has sent me to tell you, come out of Egypt. Come out of Egypt and live for this God that he has called you out of that land. So, as much as it sounds nice to just hear, hey, God, serving God, doing the will of God, you also need to know the truth of the matter. Let us turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. From verse 10, 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 10, right, to 15. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of hearers. Be diligent to, to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Therefore, I endure. 
That word simply paints to your mind the fact that there was something that Apostle Paul was going through that needs enduring. The kingdom of God, remember we are living in this world, right? And this world has its own principalities and has its own God. But greater is he who is in us than the one who is in the world. When you decide to work for God, there will be those persecutions that come. Jesus Christ never promised us a very wonderful, joyful, everyday, smile, smile, smiling, smiling world. When you decide to follow God in all truth, you will feel it. You will feel it. You will want to pray. You are tired. Mm. But he says, be of good courage. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So I want to bring this into your attention, Nuri. You will suffer persecution. And don't say God does not love you just because you are suffering that persecution. Carry your cross. Follow. Jesus said, a servant is not greater than his master. If the world hated me, it's going to hate you. If the world despised me, it will despise you. But now you are a child of God who is empowered, who is a child of the great God, the great I am. You will suffer persecution, but endure. Endure. Persevere even when there is no hope. Remember, God, they say they want to kill Christians. How can I continue? Continue. Because what matters at the end of the day is where you will go. At the point that you will leave this earth in. I can live all my life now talking about God. But if when the day comes when I have to leave this world, I am not with God. What is going to happen to me? There is somewhere where God said, you guys say my ways are not fair. But think of it. If someone comes to me, if someone was a sinner and they turn aside from their sins and come to me as God and I save them, I forget all their iniquities. But similarly, if you're a righteous person and you stop your righteousness and you leave my, my, my world, do you expect me to just clothe you in? He is fair. When we talk about fairness, what is done on the left should be done on the right. This is the God I am. And the truth sometimes, it's scary to mention. Even this is not something that you can easily say in front of so many people. But I, I'm just doing what I feel what I have to do. You will suffer persecution. Mara, be of good cheer. Let's read this verse. John 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. John 14, verse 27. Peace I live with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. If you're going to stand with the truth, don't be afraid. 
there will always be that peace that surpasses understanding. I can imagine Apostle Paul bound in chains in prison, but he knew what he was doing. He knew that the elect of God needs to hear this word. He knew that Jesus Christ has called me to bring his gospel to the Gentiles. Remember when he was still Saul, he was on his way to Damascus, and Jesus was like, hey, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he's like, who are you, Lord? And Jesus is saying, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Imagine what it was like for the other Christians to hear it. That man who has been persecuting Christians, beating, killing us is now a child of God. What are you saying? But God said to Peter, that is my vessel. He said to his prisoner, that is my vessel that I am choosing or he's going to take my gospel to the Gentiles. And Paul was staying true to that calling of God. But it was not easy. I'm telling you, it was not easy. It was not easy, but he endured. He carried his cross. He he faced tribulation, but still had the peace of God. That is the peace that God has given you as well. Whatever affliction you may face because of standing for God's truth, God is with you. And he will give you the peace. The peace that surpasses all understanding. try to imagine these soldiers who were busy arresting these Christians. No matter what we do, they don't give up. They are always singing hymns. They are always joyful. What what are we doing wrong? They did not know it is the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. They can't fathom it. We also can't fathom it. God, hey, I am broke, but I have this peace. I am failing, but I have this peace. That is the peace of God. And he said, I am living it with you. So do not be afraid. When you are there with your friends, when you see the life that we are living is not right, do not be afraid to edify one another. My deliberate. Do not be afraid to edify me if you see where I am. Because he says, I am with you. Why should you be afraid? Do not be afraid to tell the truth to the person seated next to you when you see it. Why should you be afraid if it's going to save them? In the words of Kucho, she said when we were there and she was sharing a message with us, I feel like it would be pointless for me to go to heaven alone. I would just be happy to have that one person that I know, at least I'm entering with them. There's somewhere, I don't remember where I read this, Apostle Paul was telling that church that he was writing the letter to Ari, you know, I always pray for you because you guys, you are that joy that I'm going to feel before God. I will say, hey, yeah, it was hard, Mara. I remained faithful to the calling of Yahweh. So do not be afraid to say the truth where it needs to be said. Whether there is persecution or not, do not be afraid. Because you are children of the light. Jesus said, you don't light up a... a, 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 Oh, let me give an example with a candle. You don't light a candle and put it under the table. What is the point of lighting it up? Because it's not going to light the room. You are that light. You have been called to be that light in this world. Full of darkness. 
You are called to be that light. Do not be afraid, especially as young people. Let us not be afraid to show who we are in Christ Jesus. Let us not be afraid to say, hey, I am the child of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When the world turns against Israel, I stand with Israel. When the world turns against God, I stand with God. When the world turns against churches, I stand with the church of God. Be bold. God is with you. And you shall receive your crown. The last scripture as I conclude, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 19 to 26. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, that is the, the vessels of dishonor, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth. And that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil having been taken captive by him to do his will. This is why as Christians, other people love to say, Christian, it's not a talk to say I'm just a Christian. It's an, a way of living. It's an act. How we live matters because someone else is observing us. Even so, when you speak of the truth, continue to speak in it. Continue to speak the truth with all boldness because you don't know what might happen to the next person. They hearing you might be saved. That's if God grants them that repentance or that heart to repent. And remember, every good work that you do, it is God who gives you that desire to do it. So do not, in the words of young people, mind God. When he talks to you, don't ignore him. When he tells you to do something, don't ignore him. Let us serve God, the God I am, in all faithfulness. Thank you.